Welcome back and thank you for joining us for another interview with Marketing Management and Money. And today we have George Kelly with us, owner of Keys on Main. It is a piano bar that is fabulous. If you've ever heard of it or been there, count yourself lucky. It is an incredible place to go and get some stellar entertainment. But more importantly than the fact that his establishment is pretty awesome is uh, his business experience. And uh, George, we're going to give you a chance to introduce yourself, but we also want to talk about uh, you've been through kind of a wild ride recently, and this is going to resonate with a lot of our listeners. Uh, You know, the uh, global pandemic with COVID has really altered the way that you do business. And, uh, and so we're going to, we're going to get into that and how that has affected your business and some of the crazy nuances that sort of sprung out of that. But before we get into all of that, what you go ahead, introduce yourself, uh, let our listeners know a little bit about you and your business. So yeah, my name is George Kelly. I'm the owner of uh, Keys on Main, which is a uh, dueling piano bar in uh, Salt Lake City. Uh, we have a couple more locations, uh, but the original flagship location was started in Salt Lake in uh, about 2008. And uh, if you've never been to a dueling piano bar, it's kind of a fun concept. We just have two grand pianos uh, facing each other on stage and uh, two performers who are singing and playing popular hits and the whole show is all request. So uh, every song that's played, the audience members get to ask for it and they typically come up with a with a tip on top and, and uh, we play all requests all night long. Um, it's really energetic. It's kind of like a rock concert on piano. This is what I like to tell people. It's not like a lounge piano <laughs> yeah. bar act. It's not, you know, brandy snifters and that kind of thing. It's it's lights. It's video walls. Uh, it's it's like going to a, a small rock concert put on by two two baby grand pianos. And, and, and I was going to say the first time that I was able to see your show live, uh, it really kind of shocked me because it is it's it's so much more entertaining. I mean, when I was thinking piano, I'm like, oh yeah, you know they're they're going to play some uh, you know some like David Lawns or uh, you know so, something <laughs> like this. And, and and when they really start getting into it and and the dueling part, uh, it really is a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and dueling pianos is not like a new concept, and I certainly didn't invent it. Uh, we just kind of uh, refreshed it, I'll say. Uh, it's been around since the 80s, uh, you know, Pat O'Brien's out in New Orleans. And mm-hmm. uh, the first dueling piano show I saw was uh, the Bar Times Square in Las Vegas. Oh, nice. Uh, at the New York, New York Casino. Uh, I saw that show when I was 18, a senior in high school. I didn't even play the piano yet. I was just, uh, you know, a, a fresh senior with a with a bit of a voice. Uh, was pursuing music and and singing as a career. And I saw these guys just wailing out Billy Joel and Elton John, and the crowd was going crazy. And and people, you know, sloshing drinks next to each other, looking like they're having the best time <laughs> right. of their lives. And I went away from that going, I think I need to learn how to play the piano because that looks like a riot, you know. <laughs> and I never set out to make it a career. I just uh, I just thought it would be fun to be that guy at a house party that could sit down at the piano and play a couple of tunes and have everybody, you know, sing along. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, so I went home and I picked up a book called How to, how to Fake Piano from a Fake Book. And yeah. I learned how to <laughs> improvise using chords and, and uh, just kind of picked up the theory of music. So okay. even today, I'm not really good at sight reading sheet music, you know. You can put Beethoven and Bach in front of me and I'll, I'll be like, hey, you know, give me a month and, and some time to do my homework and I'll, I'll play it for you. <laughs> but, uh, I play by ear. Um, 
and just uh, a really more of a popular a pop piano player, rock piano player than I am a, a classical player. Sure, sure. Now, but you were able to convert this love of, or I, I, I'm going to say kind of this passion for, for fun into a successful business. Uh, what yeah. was that process like a little bit? Gosh, just, you know, a, a little bit of uh, effort and a whole lot of luck. I just kind of stumbled <laughs> being down honest. the path. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think anybody who's been successful is probably, you know, if they're honest, that's at least part of it, right? Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I, that's not uncommon among entrepreneurs to hear that. But I also do like there's a there's a quote, and I can't. I'm I'm going to butcher this quote, but it's something like you know, it seems that the the most successful people in the world uh, have all the luck, and and it's yeah. you know, luck tends to follow the people who are just willing to take risk and, and seize opportunity, you sure. know? Yeah. Um, so I truly believe that it's not keys on not the first business that I had started. I'd started like seven or eight different, you know, home-based businesses and, and, uh, you know, video production companies. And it was like, I always had an entrepreneurial spirit, wanted to do my own thing. Okay. Um, so I was doing that kind of thing and, and going to school for, um, sound engineering, um, and uh, just kind of trying to find my way, you know. Um, and right around the time of the Olympics here in Salt Lake City, about 2002, a tiny little dueling piano bar opens up. Uh, we'd never had one here before, and the guys who opened it were not piano players, didn't know anything about it, saw a show, <laughs> and between the two of them went, oh, we could do that. We could start one of those in Utah. Let's do it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> So they opened this piano bar. It's it's a it's a pretty small establishment. They're like, well, we're taking a risk, but we've never done this before. Let's just start small, you know. And sure. so it seated, you know, maybe eighty people max. Okay. Um, not a bad way to start. Not a bad way to start. Yeah, smart, very smart on their part. Um, and uh, about two months after it opened, uh, I had a friend who was uh, who had started cocktailing there, and uh, she called me up and she's like, I've heard you play, you know, you're nah. just as good as these guys. You need to come down here. And I kind of chuckle. I'm like, no, I've seen those, those shows, you know, uh, those guys are amazing. They can play any song, you know, I know three Elton John songs and that's about the extent of my repertoire. I'm nowhere near. I'll take, I'll take any request as long as it's these three. Right. Yeah, exactly. She's like, but still, it's really fun. You should at least come down and see the show. So I'll definitely do that. You know? So I wander in on a, on a dead Thursday. It's, me and one other table in the room okay and these two guys are up there playing playing and jamming tunes and stuff and and my friends are like we're the only ones here so they put up a request asking if i can get up and play a tune and they're like sure yeah it's a dead thursday come on up sing a song and uh i played the one elton john song i knew i uh was terrified uh kind of like yeah screwed up halfway through got lost missed missed some chords got back on track finished the song it was the worst rendition of the song i've ever played (laughs) i get off stage and the owner comes running across the room no way and pulls me aside he's like hey you think you can do that again (laughs) you're like like, yes i I can screw up again that would be easy yeah absolutely i suppose you know he's like i'm like you know give me a couple weeks he's like "No, no 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 couple of weeks I want to see you in here next Thursday. And I'm like, nice. dude, I know like four songs. He's like, well, learn 20 more between now and next Thursday. <laughs> not that big a deal, right? As if you weren't already like, feeling well, the pressure. Yeah. Man. He's like, 
like, it's not a big deal. Yeah, he was really great. He was an awesome recruiter, and the dude was very talented. He ends up leaving this gig and starts his own leather online company. So he's very successful. He's done eight more businesses since since now. Wow, okay. <laughs> done really well for himself. Yeah. Uh, but he had a keen eye for talent and was just really good at uh, – Telling me what I needed to hear, basically. Sure. And that was just like, you know, don't get in your own way. It's not that big a deal. You know, like bring your sheet music, bring your books, bring whatever you got to bring. Learn 20 songs between now and next Thursday. And then, you know, the next Thursday, you'll learn 20 more. And, and anytime you get a request for a song you don't know, you're going to hold it up in the air and say on the microphone, hey, I got a request for this song. I don't know this song, but I know this one and play a song that you know. That's all you got to do. Easy, nice. right? <laughs> Just deflect. I like it. Yeah. So I do that. I show up Thursday and uh, I play the tw- 20 songs that I had learned. All of them were the wrong songs to learn, by the way. <laughs> was not big in any of my song choices. <laughs> uh, I had no guidance. They were just like, eh, just oh, learn man. 20 songs. Okay. Brutal. And so I played my whole repertoire. It lasted an hour. So I had to play the Whoa. whole 20 songs a list that I knew three times throughout the night. (laughs) And I was just petrified, you know? Um, And I got done. I'm like, whoa, that was kind of a fun learning experience, but I I guess, you know, that's the end of that stint. And uh, yeah, the, the guy's like, Hey, that was great. Fabulous job. I'll see you tomorrow. Jeez. (laughs) Wow. And I'm like, uh, tomorrow's a Friday night. That's a, that's a weekend show. He's like, I know. We had a bunch of piano players quit. So it's oh. kind of you and these other two guys. That's it. That's oh, what we got. So I'll see you <laughs> He's like, learn another 20 songs. <laughs> you got till yeah, tomorrow. I mean, years later, kind of come to find out, you know, hearing the stories of before I got there, they had started with something like 15 piano players, and none of them really knew this gig they were just classical piano players you sure. know who could kind of play and sing but were not really good at improvising couldn't play by ear couldn't take requests and just never really adapted to the job and most of them just quit and, and they just started dropping like flies and these two guys that were remaining and then you add me into the mix the three of us were the only players there for like three or four years oh really yeah, the the fact that that little bar made it was because they got so lucky finding talent in this wow. <laughs> small city. Uh, and that is the, the hardest part, you know, fast forward a little bit, I'll kind of jump places. But even now, 20 years later, the hardest part of this business is talent. Yeah. Um, finding the people that are that triple threat that can play, that can sing, but more than anything, uh, can can. MC a party can, can show the audience how to have a good time. Uh, that's that kind of it factor that is really, uh, almost impossible to find but, see, and he, even the, harder to train. Here, here's the thing that's super interesting about what you're talking about. Cause I mean, you're talking about playing piano and you're talking about the importance of talent and for whatever reason, the human psyche is like, Oh yeah, you know, music requires talent, but people underestimate that, in all aspects of business, like the talent makes or breaks a business. I mean, I've seen guys that are amazingly talented at just answering phone calls. They're amazingly talented at, you know, writing an email that actually resonates with the customer. They're amazingly talented at managing inventory, but we don't think of that as talent. We think of that as, Oh, I don't have any talent because I don't play the (laughs) piano, you know, and they just just learned how to do their job. Yeah. 
And and yeah. and so I love the fact that you're bringing up that you're like, look, they survived on talent, and I'm like, okay. For our listeners out there, I'm sorry that I'm, I'm jumping in and taking the teaching moment. This is like the dad moment where, you know, <laughs> sod, let me share with you. But, like, honestly, how important talent is in a small business. And I know we were joking around with that you got lucky, but at the same token, there's some talent there. there there's some business talent, some music talent. There's some talent there. It's the right people. I'll get off my soapbox. Sure. Keep going, man. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was a great interjection. I love it. Do it, do it all through the interview. That was fantastic. Um, so, I, I mean, and let me on too long. This, I'll, I'll try and move it along is what, I, is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, so I'm on with with this uh, small bar. Um, uh, and they're still around, by the way. It's called the Tabernacle, uh, a little, yeah. little place. And uh, uh, they were uh, – smashing success that first year oh my gosh we just blew the doors off every night it was a line up the street to get in okay um and it was so small you know so um about two years into it they bought the lease of the space next door and the stage was against the wall and they knocked the wall down and now we're a, we're a stage in the round so we had a whole other side of the room that now could be seated around the canos and they you know added 80 percent more occupancy which was also great decision super smart sure that's a big job um, yeah i took a year off and went to florida got uh, got my degree in uh recording engineering oh nice um so studio side of music you know came back started playing at the tabernacle again and so i'm there about five years um and from about year four to five uh the ownership left the guy who had hired me had gone a couple years earlier, you know, took out his payday and, and went and started another business, did his own thing. Okay. Uh, and then the other owner uh, was doing really well, but he was also very successful uh, in real estate. And uh, this was kind of just a side fun little pet project for him. So he stopped coming in and he left it to a, a friend of his to kind of manage and run. And uh, that, that friend of his was not the brightest <laughs> bulb in the box let's just just to say it kindly so with no leadership at the helm uh things started to to go south um and so it was like you know all the wrong decisions were being made which is like more bodies in the room equals more dollars in the till and i kept arguing i'm like that's not true Mm -hmm. you're overcrowding the place and now what you're doing is making it harder for your servers to serve drinks and you're making the customer experience uh, diminish because people are bumping into each other. Uh, people are spilling drinks on each other. The, the bar area, the, the tables in front of the bar were seated so close up next to the bar that everyone's standing at the bar, oh. sloshing their drinks around, having a great time. We're spilling drinks down the backs of other customers who are st- seated at the tables. I was just, they packed them in like sardines, mm-hmm. uh, never upgraded the air conditioning. So oh. it would become a thousand degrees. Oh, just a swamp. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so it'd get really hot and, and I would get really drunk Oh my gosh. and then they'd start stepping all over each other and fights would break out. Really? And so we started to become that place and just the, <laughs> just the shiny glow of that fun new piano bar, um, started to get really diminished. Okay. And, uh, I watched a couple of pretty nasty bar brawls oh, and you know, five years into it, I'm like, this isn't what I signed up for. Yeah. 
you know, I'm like, and this is, this is, this show can be done better. It can be done classier, you know? Um, and not to like try and say what my vision was that was different than theirs, but, uh, people who've seen dueling piano shows, there's, there's kind of a, there's like a barrel room sound that it, that it all has. Right. I guess they're playing Billy Joel, Elton John or, or Bon Jovi or rock and roll or like whatever pop music that is on the radio that they're playing. It's played by, by pianos and it has this kind of oompa barrel room feel that everybody just, the, the rhythm is always the same. The vibe is always the same. And my argument was always like, you know, gosh, what we could do this better you know we could do this where the songs actually sounded like the original and when i started you know the requests were old school dueling piano songs they were you know neil diamond they were like i said piano guys billy joel Uh elton john um uh but then the 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 new kid i'm 22 years old uh 23 24 as i'm working my way through the tabernacle and the requests start coming up to stuff I listened to growing up, which was nineties hip hop started nice. seeing, you know, the first yeah. rap song I learned was baby got back. And yeah. playing that <laughs> on the weekend, people started to really enjoy it, you know? And it had this, it still had that barrel room piano feel. Uh-huh. And so I thought we need, we need drums. We need, we need a beat to carry these, these hip hop tunes. And we don't use real pianos anyway, which is kind of a, you know, pull the mask off of what's happening. Yeah, uh, yeah I was going to say, did you just give away your secret sauce? Yeah, right? totally. Uh, <laughs> disclaimer, these are not real pianos. They're digital keyboards on stage. Uh, we started with real pianos at the Tabernacle. And the first year we realized that was a mistake. They had spent 10 grand on these two baby grand pianos, not realizing that none of the dueling piano bars use real pianos. They, they learned early that they're hard to mic. They fall out of tune. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, they feedback. There's just a, a myriad of issues. Uh, so you always just go with an empty shell that looks like a grand piano and you slap a digital keyboard in it. Okay. And then when you break a key or something goes wrong, you just slap a new keyboard in it and go about your day. <laughs> That's uh, well, we've got these digital keyboards and they can play any sound you want. Why, instead of two pianos playing two piano sounds, making the room muddy with a whole lot of piano, why don't we have one guy playing the piano and the other guy can be backing him up with a beat? He could be playing drums. Uh-huh. And I, I, I floated that idea up the flagpole and I immediately got shut down. Like, no, this is an acoustic show. There's an organic show. You know, the other guy used to bring his electric guitar and we shut that down because, you know, it's just, it's just not our brand. That's not what we do. Okay. Like, oh, okay. Fair enough. You know, so a couple of ideas and then, and then the whole like, you know, guys, less is more. Stop letting so many people to the door. Yep. Thanks kid. Thanks piano player. Why don't you just keep playing the piano <laughs> yeah. and we'll go ahead and handle the big boy stuff, you know? <laughs> right. And so about five years into it, I just finally had had enough and I, grabbed the other two piano players. And I said, what if we started our own? I'm like, if we left, do you know how hard it was for them to find talent? You know, I'm like, if the three of us were to up and leave, who would they have? Right. They'd be, they'd be done in a month. Let's just take our show and do it somewhere else. And do it better. And do it better. And they were both kind of on board. They were like, yeah, I mean, shoot. I mean, we don't have any money to put towards the project, but if you're going to do it, we'll come along, Uh you know? Yeah. Like, okay, great. So 
uh, we started looking for a lease. Well, I did. I started looking for a lease, started writing a business plan, started kind of putting together, you know, as much as I could about, you know, five months into it. I'm like, I've got a little space on main street that might work. Um, and I've got, you know, a couple of, uh, applications into some banks. We'll see if we can SBA loan or do something, uh, to get some financing. And we're kind of putting the ducks in a row and the other, uh, main piano players, you know, kind of sits me down. He's like, well, you know what we should do? We should at least offer to just buy the tabernacle first. Then the three of us can just own it. We can make all these decisions. We don't have to start from scratch and start our own. I'm like, yeah, that's fair. That would be the easier solution. So took the owner to dinner and I said, we want to buy the tabernacle. We're tired of you not being here ever. And all of the, the writings on the wall that it feels like it's sliding downhill. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever thought about selling, but, you know, I have a lot of ideas and, uh, you know, at this point I'm 25, 26 and I'm either playing for tips or I got to go do something else with the rest of my life. You know, I'm like, I'm either, I'm either going to get into this business for real and be a part of the business side of it, or I got to go do something else. I can't be a piano player cranking out you know, tunes for the peeps on the weekend as a career. I'm, you know, yeah. Yeah, at some point that's, that's and not cool anymore. We've got our first child on the way and I, you know, I got to put yeah. my big boy pants on and becoming a grown up here at some point. So yeah. either you'll let me in, uh, and, uh, you can sell it to me or just so you know, if you don't, I'm probably going to start another one because like I said, I got a lot of really good ideas and I think that, you know, this could be my career path for me. So I got to take my shot. And he he took me very seriously. Like, you know, everything's for sale. So let me, let me think of a number. Okay, great. So he took about a week and he he calls me up. He says, listen, I tried to think of a number that would work for you that I'd be willing to sell for. And I want you to know, I really did think about it, but I couldn't come up with that number. There's no, there's no number that I would willing to let it go for that you'd be willing to buy it for. It would be a silly investment for you to spend that much. You're like, but that's what I'd need to get out of it. So, thanks, but uh, you know, good luck, but but no. So he didn't and, even give you, you a know, number. No. What? It was just like I couldn't think of a number that made realistic sense. Oh my and gosh. So, well, yeah, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take, man. Of course, you're not going <laughs> to yeah, pay exactly. it because you don't even know. Dude. Yeah. So, and I think to be honest, he was just calling my bluff. Sure. It was just like, he's okay. 26, yeah. 27. I, I, I can't remember how old I was when I had the conversation. I think it was 26. Um, and he's just like, he, who is this guy? He's not going to start a competing dueling piano part. Yeah. Know? Right. He's and, just not. Well, especially and when I they, they that didn't. That was a fair bet. Yeah. Especially when they didn't think that any of your ideas were that great anyway. It's like, we don't believe in him anyway. We're not going to believe that he can actually do this. Right. That's and, insane. you know, like, listen, I'm making a lot of money doing this. I really don't think you're going to go start another one. So I appreciate the moxie to to make this offer. But the answer is no. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Well, and that's something that and, we that's something that we look at often with businesses that we work with is these entrepreneurs or small business owners that have been in the game for for a while. They forget to keep their finger on the pulse of the market. They keep forgetting to check in with their customer base and see what's going on. Right. They just all, they just see the money coming in and they think, man, I've, I've got this dialed in and they just are going to ride that train. Well, if they're not watching 
where the train is going, right? Where the track is leading and they're just, you know, full force going ahead. As soon as that track starts to turn, they're going right off the embankment. You know what I mean? They're Mm -hmm. not going to survive. They're not going to last. We see that all the time. It's such an unfortunate mistake to, to just let things go like that because of your own ignorance as, as a business owner. It's like, you got to humble yourself and take a look at, at what really is going on and absolutely and make decisions based on what your market is telling you. And I think mm-hmm. that's really what you were doing here. You kind of saw this uprising, this new age of, you know, that was diverting from what was from all these yep. old classics and, and acoustic pianos to this new uh, fun, a little bit faster paced music with a beat. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, um, like I said, I didn't, I didn't reinvent the wheel, certainly. Um, but it was like, you know, this, this is the old man's dueling channel bar, right. you know, mm-hmm. what, what, what do the guys my age want to see? And yeah, I'm like, they, exactly. you know, it needed to be less of a, of the local watering hole and more of a nightclub. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to feel energetic, like a dance club. Yeah. Well, um, and and my guess would be, and correct me if you, if you think I'm wrong, uh, as you've been talking about this, I've, I've kind of had this sense of there's an element of supply and demand going on here. When you were first in the business uh, or first playing the piano and, and whatnot, and it first opened and there was this, this whole first year was just insane, right? Mm-hmm. It's like all of a sudden there's this huge demand or there's this demand for something new. Well, all of a sudden there's this one bit of supply that comes in and, and just the demand rushes to it. And so you're making bank, you're having a lot of fun. You, you, you're filling seats and, and doing that every night. Well, if that, again, if that kind of corrodes into, well, we're, we're doing this the same old way always and forever, then you're going to see that, like you said, start to slip. And then you, mm-hmm. you come along with this, this it's again. Yeah. Like you said, it's not reinventing the wheel, but you come along with, following the, the trend of the market and yeah. all of a sudden that, I mean, because the demand is, is building and building and building at that point where this supply has changed into, well, it's not, a, it's not really our supply anymore because it's not really what we want. So that demand is growing. Well, then you come in with, with that new supply and it's like, yes, that's what we want. That's what we're going after. And I think taking advantage of that, it's, it's not luck. And you, like you said, again, it's not reinventing the wheel, but it's smart business. Like I was incredibly yeah. astute on your part to take advantage of that. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, you know, looking back, the, the cautious, uh, you know, middle-aged man in me now goes, <laughs> man, <laughs> we're absolutely insane. Yeah. But I just remember, you know, at 26, what did I have to lose? Exactly. Sure. I hadn't built up any kind of wealth or, or, or capital. You know, I bought my first house, but it had no equity in it. And yeah. it was just like, you know, you take your shot. And if it didn't fail, you file for bankruptcy and you, you pick up the pieces and start again. I had plenty of time to rebuild. Yeah. And, and I knew that. So I just thought, you know, now's the time. Take your shot. Um, Very good. So, yeah, so we went out. Oh, and, and to your point of, you know, businesses who just keep uh, doing the same old thing, and that's what they do. We have a saying in the office, which is, once you think you're done, you are. Oh, 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 oh. 
man, that hit me so hard. <laughs> I love that. I love that. We, we repeat that uh, every month or two in the office when we're talking about, okay, what's, what's the new promotion? What's the new uh, fresh thing? What's the new event? What's something different we can do? What are the customers requesting? What do we need to see happen? You know, um, what more can we do to boost this holiday? What more can we do? You know, we're always constantly trying new things and, and trying to refresh our own show uh, because yeah, that's, that's what we constantly repeat. Once you think you're done, you are. That is beautiful. Now, now your show and your location, uh, became quite a success. I mean, uh, by the time that I was introduced to your club, uh, it's a very, uh, very prominent club. Uh, you know, gets a, a lot of people that's, that's where they want to go. Your reputation, it, it extends pretty far. I mean, you've even been able to branch outside of, so you started in Salt Lake city, you opened up four additional, excuse me, three additional locations, four in total. Mm-hmm. And, yep. uh, and so like you, you've had a good bit of success and, and I know you're, you're yeah. going to be modest and be like, well, you know, we were lucky, blah, blah, blah. But, but honestly, you, you've been very successful as an entrepreneur. Yes, I think that's an accurate statement. <laughs> so, I mean, whether the cause was by my own genius or dumb luck, <laughs> the result was the same. I have built my life uh, savings and my kids' college funds and everything that I have, I owe to you know some some good decisions early on and the success uh, that these uh, that these piano bars have brought to me. Um, so I'm very proud of it. I you know I should I shouldn't downplay it. No, yeah. it was. Yeah, you should, you should, you should be absolutely incredibly proud of it. It's yeah, it's massive, but, but but now, okay, this is what I want to talk about for a minute if we can. So your club requires people coming in. Uh, the term social distancing is, uh, that's, that, that's a swear word in, uh, in your club because people want to get together. They want to socialize. And, and so all of a sudden, uh, this pandemic breaks out and it put a lot of strain on your businesses, a lot mm-hmm. of strain. Um, how, like, first off, just, just give us an overview of, I mean, kind of what does that look like for you as an entrepreneur? And, you know, what, what were some of the things that you did that, you know, other entrepreneurs, because there's a lot of entrepreneurs who are struggling right now. There's also entrepreneurs who are overly cautious to launch in. I mean, at the time when you took your shot, there wasn't a reason to think, uh, this is really stupid because, you know, everything's up in commotion. I don't know what to expect. Uh, there's a lot more uncertainty in the world and in the markets today. So, you know, talk a little bit about what was the impact that this had on your business and what are some of the things that, you know, maybe you did right or maybe you did wrong that others can learn from? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll just say that, you know, um, when we first opened Salt Lake pre 2008 crash. So, uh, money was just being given away. I mean, I will say that like, you know, 20 bank applications, only one approved us. So we did just barely get our SBA loan by the skin of our teeth. Um, but we got that approval. No one would have approved me uh, if I had tried this even a year later okay. and, and from that point on, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't think keys on main exists. If I didn't apply for this 
in the time when, when money was just being handed out like candy on the, on the bubble of the housing crisis, you know, banks right. just had more money than they could do anything with it. So, so in that regard, we did get a little bit lucky uh, that we got the financing together. Um, but we opened and immediately successful uh, line up main street every weekend from the day we opened, um, which is just crazy. It's, uh, I look back and it's just like, wow, that was, that was amazing. Good, good timing, good promoting, uh, good but, advertising. But, but I, I, I am going to state this, that, you know, and, and we always talk about overnight successes usually take about eight to 10 years. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, and That's so when you like say that, that uh, you know, you had a line from day one, well, you just told us that you had spent the last year or two basically testing your market, finding out what your sure. market wanted. And so when you sure. opened, it wasn't like this was day one. This was more like day 800 in your mind, day one on your in, in your new location. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. Um, so it, it, open the doors, smashing success, great. Uh, come that spring, we've been open four or five months, and the the bubble bursts. Yep. And the market tanks. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know this going into business but uh bars are seasonal <laughs> bars are busy in the winter time mm. bars are not busy in the summertime <laughs> i had no idea brutal <laughs> brutal i had no idea oh, uh, your competition became the lake yeah yeah exactly. the sunshine yep yeah the the home barbecue the you know everything <laughs> else to do outside but the indoors at somebody's somebody's bar so um you know it got lean there for that first uh summer but we because of that first three four months worth of success after we first opened um i didn't spend any of it i knew that there was going to be something you know it was like I, i lived well beneath my means we had our little house in west jordan my bills were easy to maintain um, and so just sat on a stockpile of, of money and, you know, literally paid in July of, of 08, uh, paid $6,000 that month to be, to have the luxury of owning a piano. <laughs> 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 <You know? clears throat> and I, and I have a journal and I have little entries that are just like, you know, well, we'll see if it doesn't start to turn around in the next three or four months. That's, that's the end of this story you know but uh-huh. uh slowly it did turn around and school came back in and that next year you know as we rode out into the fall and into winter and had the best the best year so far and that that following winter beat that opening winter and and from that point on we never had another negative month um nice. but that first month right after the the economy tanked was pretty pretty scary sure um but at the same time to, to your point of, of now, as people are trying to think about, you know, do I open a business right now when there's a struggling economy and, and a pandemic out there? Um, you know, back then, 2008, the timing was actually perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we, we secured our funding and we kind of became, there were a couple of bars that, that shut down 
because of, you know, that struggle that summer, you know, we made it through and so did a couple of others. And so in a small city like Salt Lake, we were, we were the ones left standing and that's, that was huge for the, for the next couple of years, you know, the ones who, who made bread in, in that time, in that slowdown were the ones who came out on top on the other side of it. Um, but at the same time, I, I, you know, certainly be prudent. I, I think now is a, is a great time. If you can, I think commercial real estate's about to go through a really tough uh, yeah. time. E- everything's you know, on uh, discount, but is yeah, it COVID there for a reason? That so many of these jobs can be done from home or remotely. And I think a lot of that will come back, but I think a lot of it won't. And so real estate, you know, commercial real estate had been on a pretty, pretty decent sized boom. I think it's about to have a, a little bit of a correction. Um, I don't think it'll, you know, disappear or go to zero by any stretch, but you know, the, the big exorbitant lease rates and the big expensive buildings, I think, you know, if you're looking to start a, a retail location, you, you could get in now. Um, and I think that uh, entertainment is the only reason to have a, a real physical location anymore. You know, so Hmm, for my type of business, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, if you're selling t-shirts, don't, don't have a physical location. What are you doing? That's not the way the world works anymore. You know, keep, keep your overhead down. Don't, don't be buying a a lease on main street. You don't need that. But, uh, if you have a great, uh, restaurant idea or, or a a nightclub or a, a bar of some kind, if, you know, if you have a unique idea, I think that's the key. It's got to be something different than everybody else is doing, mm-hmm. even if the source of revenue is the same. Yep. You know, I make my money the same way everybody else does. I sell alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. I, there's this is a margin over what I buy and what I sell alcohol for, <laughs> and that's it. It's uh-huh. not rocket science. It's just right. pianos and liquor. Yeah. Um, but what we actually sell is an experience. Right. Um, so the user experience is, is crucial. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, back to the whole COVID thing. Yeah. It's really, it's really put a, put a dent in our business for sure. Um, if it doesn't come back, if we don't, if we're not able to go back to people don't have to stand six feet apart. Um, can we innovate quickly enough to solve that? I don't know. Right. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that. You well, know, like we, we still make our money based on people showing up and drinking alcohol. And so to kind of put it in perspective, the two clubs in Washington, Washington's restrictions have been tighter than Salt Lake City. So those two nightclubs haven't even reopened at mm-hmm. all since March. Uh, they have been mm-hmm. completely dark uh, since March 16th. Um, Salt Lake, a little, little less, uh, strict. We've been allowed to reopen, but we have to have uh, six feet between every table and no standing room, no bar service. And that was the bulk of our oh. occupancy. You know, we had 250 right. chairs, but we would, we would house another 250 people standing at the bar. So we went from four to 500 people on a weekend night to a hundred. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. So it's, wow. It's been, it's been tough. Yeah. We're, we're operating at about 30% of our typical sales volume. Well, and, and it's interesting because, you know, you mentioned that, uh, 
when you first opened, you you had the foresight to recognize that you needed some cash reserves. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm confident that you've carried that thought process into this current pandemic. And the interesting thing is, like, businesses, they always have their ups and their downs. And, you know, I... I just wish that more entrepreneurs that, you know, that we worked with would realize that, you know, there, there, there's a, there's a time to uh, reap, there's a time to sow and there's a winter when nothing happens. And, and, you know, mm-hmm. that the, the, those seasons are going to be different for every business, but they definitely still, still come and go. And, and, and so I can see that and, you know, but to your point yeah, on the entertainment, kind of a- it was a source of contention. I had a, a partner in the, in the Washington locations okay. uh, for many years. I don't uh, have, uh, I don't have that partner anymore. Um, but for the first seven years of those two locations, um, I had this partner and he and I would, uh, it was the only thing that we really fought about pretty, pretty hard, <laughs> which is he's younger than me. And he's, he's a, you know, he's been given this partnership. I basically made him a partner because you need boots on the ground. Sure. You know, I need to, I need to know that someone up there, since I don't live in Washington has a vested interest in the success of these clubs. Uh-huh. So it was a partnership that was mostly like a, a an employee with uh, profit sharing as part of his uh, salary. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So he didn't have the final say. I always had the final say they were definitely my businesses, but you know, the club did well, he did very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would fight a lot because he'd want to take an owner's draw. You know, he's like, we have all this money <laughs> sitting here and I would like to do something with it. I'd like to do this for my family or go out, go on this vacation. Like, what are we doing sitting on all this money? And I just, you know, it just cracked me up. I'm just like, what, what happens tomorrow if, you know, the fire department comes in and says, oh, you've done this wrong, and we get shut down for two months and have to fix something. Not only do we have to pay for the repairs, but we've got, you know, we've lost revenue for two months. Like, what? Yeah. What do you think? We absolutely have to have this money in the bank in case of a rainy day. Yeah. You don't spend everything that you earned. Has, has nobody yeah. taught you this lesson? <laughs> yeah. Well, and you <laughs> see ridiculous. that. You see that time and time again that entrepreneurs who don't have a solid grasp on their finances or or uh, solid budgeting practices or you know yeah. solid grasp of these financial principles, they'll fail just because of basic things like that. Right? Yeah. It's not anything groundbreaking why- that just undermines them. It's like you totally could have yeah. avoided that so easy. Absolutely. And this is why most bars fail. Yeah. Like, you know, I know there's stats on it and I couldn't give you realistic stats. You know, I'd be pulling them out of my rear end, but, um, you know, bars have the highest failure rate second to restaurants. You know, every new bar that opens is likely going to fail. And it's typically because the owners are pulling all the profits. It's just a cash cow and they suck it dry every single month. Yeah, You know, most bars, I know from my, my beer deliveries, my drivers are always just like, yeah, almost every club out there is a, is a cash account. I don't drop beer unless they have cash for me, <laughs> you know, because they can't be trusted to be put on credit. Jeez. <laughs> oh, what does that tell you? You know, so they right? all the profits out and typically they're their own best customers, which is always the, the other a bad problem. thing. Don't get into the bar business. If you think it's going to be a party, it's oh, not. Man. <laughs> 
Oh, that's wonderful. Hey, so um, we're going to kind of wrap this up. And oh my gosh, there's there's so much that we could that we could still I, talk about. I have about. loved this interview. <laughs> yeah. This has seriously been one of my favorites, hands down. I'm sorry, it's, it's long-winded. I know you said no, no, it's great. But, we're going on way too long. But the thing no, is, is fine. like you just kept tucking in gem after gem, and you're like, hey, do this in your business. Do this in your business. Do this in your business. <laughs> and, and if our listeners really paid attention, there were a solid half a dozen key oh. Principles at least that were just thrown out there, like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Pay attention to that, look into that more, you know. So, uh, fabulous, fabulous content. But I am going to ask you to kind of summarize any final thoughts that you have, any any takeaways that, uh, you know, we've got a lot of other entrepreneurs at all levels uh, listening to this show. Uh, You know, what are are some final takeaways that that you just think would be good uh, for someone who uh, maybe hasn't uh, gone through the same experiences that you have? Sure. Um, A million. But, But I think what I could attribute my successes to is, um, you know, uh, education it, and that doesn't have to be a university education. I certainly don't have one, <laughs> you know, there are plenty of books out there to be read, but you should know, you know, know the ins and outs of business, know the ins and outs of tax laws, know the ins and outs of, of writing a business plan, like learn and educate yourself on business first before you step into the waters, mm-hmm. um, know about proper money management before you step into the waters. You know, there's just basic good accounting principles for those cash reserve arguments that I had with my partner in Washington. You know, I'm like, I didn't pull these numbers out of nowhere. This is like standard business practice to have this much in cash reserves based on your sales volume. You know, I'm like sure. these are, these are numbers that I read from somewhere. I learned this. I didn't just come up with it on my own. <laughs> You know, so educate yourself and then honestly, just take, take the shot. Uh, most people don't succeed because they just don't do anything. They have a great idea or they have something that they've dreamed about or envisioned to do forever. And they just dream about it and dream about it until, until their shot's gone until, you know, the opportunity is, is now missed. Uh, it's like you said earlier, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So you know, take the shot. You might fail, but you might not. <laughs> wow. That's... that's just it. My grandpa, uh, owned a local bank for years and years. And, and, uh, if you need to cut this out of the podcast, it's totally fine with me, but, uh, it's not people would ask him all the time, well, what, what made you so successful and what in the world made you think to start a bank out here in farm country in you know utah back in the 70s uh-huh. maybe we just shrug his shoulders you know you know what i don't know i guess i got more balls than brains yeah <laughs> that's that's always stuck with me it's really true i think a lot of people are smart enough capable enough uh but you just have to go out and take a shot yeah absolutely wonderful amen hey this has been a fabulous time. We have thoroughly enjoyed yeah. talking with you, hearing your story, hearing your experience, and uh, that that that's awesome. So for for those who are in the area, uh, you know, Keys on Main, uh, you've got it there. Uh, the, I get I guess the one to go to right now is going to be the flagship there in Salt Lake City, Utah. If you ever get a chance, check it out. 
And, uh, you know, shameless plug on our end, you talked about the importance of education. That's what we try to do is we educate those entrepreneurs, those small businesses. So if you want to see a full list of all of our trainings, including financial management trainings, uh, you can check it out on tabletwise.com. Just search marketing, management, and money. I'm uh, your host, Ryan Murray. And I'm Ryan Owens. And uh, to George, we say thank you, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, guys.